0: This morning I want to talk to you, uh, continuing on our series on When a Believer Falls. And uh, I have some other verses because I want to remind you that if you only just focus on what happens over the next, I don't know, five, six chapters in David's life, you will become very discouraged because it becomes one of the lowest points in David's life. And I think all of us, if we're honest, are uh, much more likely to be discouraged than we are to be encouraged. It is much easier for us to look at a situation and let us affect us negatively than it is for us to look at a situation and become positive. And so, as we look at David's situation, and we started last week about how David had uh, not been at war, he had looked out, he had saw Bathsheba, he had brought her into his bedchamber. And committed adultery with her. But I want to remind you that we were going to look at two verses every single week. And the first one comes from Psalm 51. And David writes this later in his life. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. So even though David had fallen, even though David had sinned, he knew that God could restore that joy. And we talked about how your sin today does not have to define who you are. And the sin that you're carrying and struggling with, the guilt, does not have to define you. But we also looked in 2 Samuel chapter 12. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. And so not only can God restore joy to us, but He can forgive us. Forgive and restore. And you say, Jake, why are you bringing that up again this week? Because I'm telling you, as we begin to look at David and the wickedness that comes from him, it is so easy to be focused on that and not that God can forgive. We looked last week at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I say that tonight because I want you to see this this morning. When you and I struggle with sin, each of us have a choice. We can either admit it, ask for forgiveness, and watch what God can do. Or we can hide it. We can make excuses for it. And this morning I want you to know that I hear all the time about what churches need. You need better programs, you need better preaching, you need better Sunday school, you need better teaching, you need more of this and more of that. But I want you to know that the church really only needs one thing. This church really only needs one thing. As a father and a husband, I really only need one thing. As a pastor, I really only need one thing. And you say, Jake, that's a pretty pretty bold statement. You're right. In my life, what I really need, the one thing that I really need more than anything that would change everything about me is to understand that I am a sinner and to repent, truly repent on a daily basis. Every day, not making excuses for my sin, not trying to explain my sin, but honestly getting before God and say, Lord, I know that I am not who I should be. And I know there are things in my life that should not be there. And God, I need your forgiveness. And I need you to deal with me. And I need you to change me. And I need you to correct me. But if we're honest this morning, most of us, while we will ask forgiveness for our sins, it's usually something like this when we lay down. Lord, forgive me for the sins of today. Help me to be better tomorrow. Not a lot of brokenness there, is there? But this morning, I want you to know that if we will really get broken over the sin in our life, If we as a church will really get broken over the sin in this church, if we as a people will really get broken over the sin in our nation, I believe that God will do amazing things. But the problem is this. Talking about sin is never fun. It's never popular. It's never pleasing. Why do you think great big churches get great big? They have dynamic music. And they talk about how you can be a good parent or how you can be a good husband or how you can have a better financial setting. But the fact that we all are struggling with sin and the fact that it is the thing that is robbing us of our joy, the thing that is the thing that is causing division in our families. It is the thing that causes generations of our family to suffer. We really can't talk about that. But I want you to see here that We could find forgiveness. We can find joy. My family can be different. My marriage can be different. You say, well, Jake, David didn't have access to 1 John chapter 1. Or he would have known that he could have been forgiven. He he would have known that he didn't have to hide his sin. I'm glad that you brought that up because in Leviticus chapter 16, something that David would have had access to says this, For on that day the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. David, as he has committed this adultery, as he has made this mistake, as he has committed this sin, knows that God would forgive him. It says it right there. He would have known Leviticus. He would have known that he could experience the forgiveness and mercy and grace of God. Just like you and I know that. Just like you and I have read the promises of God, the joy of God that He would give to us. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 5, if you would stand with me, we're just going to read one verse before we go verse by verse through the rest of this text. This has happened and this is what puts David in the predicament. Starting in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 5, And the woman conceived. And so she sent and told David, and said, I am with child. Father, I come this morning asking for, Lord, you to speak, not me. Lord, for you to help me to be bold, to speak your word in truth and in love. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he can do in this place today, to truly search us. God, that Your Word would do what only it could do to pierce us. God, that we would leave different. Lord, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so David is presented with a situation. He knows he has committed sin. He knows that he has put himself in this situation. But now there is evidence to the sin that he has committed and he's going to have to make a choice. You see, most of us, our private sin doesn't bother us as much as our public sin. Because honestly, most of us think that our private sin is probably going to stay private. And so as long as other people don't think bad about me, or as long as other people don't know what I'm really like, I know the Lord forgives. I know the Lord is merciful. I know the Lord is gracious. And so if we're honest, most of us take that for granted. And so we would much rather get along with God because we know Him rather than having to deal with our sin with other people. And that's amazing because God gives them this child, allows this child to be born. And there's a lot of questions about why would God do this just to to take the child back. But I believe it is this. This is my humble opinion. Because almost all of us will never truly deal with our sins until it's brought out in the open. Most of us won't deal with our problems until we start to see the effects, right? Most of us don't worry about our weight until the doctor says, hey, one more cheeseburger, fatty. You're liable to fall over at the table. Or you sit down at the doctor and he said, hey, you're you're pre-diabetic. You know, you're like, hey, I'm pre, it's okay, I can just keep for a while. But when they say, hey, if you don't eat, you're going to start losing some limbs, you start to think, whoa. You see, when the effects begin to reveal themselves, it's when we really start to think as people. And Why is that? Because we're people of sight. The Bible says that we should have faith and and not worry about what we see, but the sinful nature that we have wants to see it, wants to understand it. And in our sin... That is absolutely true. And so this morning, you might not be in the same situation as David, but there might be another sin you're struggling with. There there might be another issue in your life. And you keep telling God, Lord, as long as you keep it private, you and I will be fine. But I want you to know that the Bible says that all things are going to be revealed. That every dark place will have light shined into it. And so this morning, whether you get away with it for a week, a month, a year, a decade, eventually everything comes out. You say, man, Jake, you're already starting out depressing this morning. Only if today you choose to hide instead of repent. You see, repentance can happen immediately. But I want to show you the dangers of doing it the world's way so if you're taking notes this morning, and you would, I don't know how much we'll get through of this this morning, but we all can have a desire to hide sin. We all can have a desire to hide sin. You say, not me, Jake, I'm open about my sin, I don't don't hide my sin. All of us can have a desire to hide sin. It looks different for each one of us. It, It looks different in each situation. Sometimes we don't care if our family knows our sin, but we would hate for our church to know our sin. It's built into our culture. Because I can't imagine, I can't begin to tell you the amount of times that someone will say, don't say that, the preacher's there. Look up here. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And if it doesn't bother you to say it at home, in the privacy of your home, you might as well say it at church. Please don't. All right, Please don't say it at church. But I want you to know that this morning, that I am not your judge. Your Sunday school teacher is not your judge. Your deacon is not your judge. But yet if we're honest, we know that there are some places you shouldn't say something and there are some places you should say something. But what we see here is because that's that mindset of, I can hide it. I can cover it up. And so look what it says here in verse 6. So David realizes that there is a child coming and he has to make a choice. You know, David could have sent for Uriah and said, I need you to know this is what happened. I've done this. I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. But look what happens here in verse 6. Then David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to David, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. I want to stop right there because David is doing what we see very often in today's world. He's buttering him up. He's like, How are things going? Because, you know, Uriah's probably thinking, Why am I the only guy coming back? Why am I the only guy being invited back? David could have got an update from anybody. He could have got an update from himself going there. But he brings Uriah home. And he begins to ask him all these things. Friends, I want you to know that when you and I begin to hide our sin, we're good at it. We're good at it as individuals. We're good at it as a couple. We're good at it as a church. And we know that if we can make people feel important, if we can make people understand us, then they will be okay with us. David is beginning to try to manipulate Uriah. And friends, this morning I want to warn you of this. Not everyone that is kind to you is kind to you because they like you. And not everyone who likes your status on Facebook likes it because they enjoy you. Not everyone who wants a relationship with you is there because they care about you. And friends, if we're honest this morning, we've all done it to other people. We've all been that person. And so we see here what is going on. And in verse 8, And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed him. What David is saying is go home, wash your feet, get yourself relaxed, enjoy your wife, uh, just enjoy this time together before you go back. What David is trying to do is he's trying to get Uriah to go and sleep with his own wife so that when she starts to show, David doesn't have to say, that's mine. That everybody will think, oh, this blessing that God has given Uriah and his wife. David is trying to cover up the sin that he has committed. He is trying to be kind, not because he cares about Uriah, not because he cares about Bathsheba, but because he cares about what other people think of him. And he's trying to hide his sin in this moment. But this might be one of my favorite passages of Scripture in this whole chapter in verse 9. But David slept at the door of the, don't miss this, king's house. He went home, visited with his wife maybe. Maybe he didn't, we're not sure. But he wouldn't sleep in his own home. Because he cared so much about David. And so much about the kingdom. And so much about God that even though he couldn't protect the kingdom on the battlefield, he would protect David on his front porch. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not. I've read this passage of Scripture thousands of times, and I always thought he went and laid outside his own house. But he didn't. Do you start to see the differences between David and Uriah? Uriah is saying, I love my God, my country, my king so much. I'm going to lay right here outside of your home. That's the man he was. That's the situation that we find ourselves. And so look what it says here in verse 10. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. See, Uriah was a man of great integrity. Uriah was a man that David should have wanted to be in his army. Uriah is a man that we would all want to be and one in our lives. And so you would think at this point, as Uriah has proven himself to David, David would say, Uriah, I need to tell you what has happened. I need to tell you why I have done this. I need to confess my sin and find forgiveness. I mean, we're seeing this play out, right, a person who is loyal, a person who is trustworthy, a person who puts your interest over his own. But this morning I want to show you when we are in sin, reason doesn't matter. When we are living in sin, when sin begins to affect us, and we begin to quench what the Spirit wants to do in our lives, nothing matters except what's best for us nothing matters other than this is what i need this is what i want this is what i feel and this morning you say Jake this is really getting discouraging only if he doesn't ask for forgiveness because god tells us in his word he would forgive he would restore he would make it right And this morning you're saying, Jake, you're hitting very close to home in my life only because God is trying to speak to you and to me this morning that He wants to forgive us. He wants to restore us. He wants us to stop going farther down a path that leads us from Him to a path of destruction and pain and heartache and suffering. This morning, what you are heading to does not have to be where you go. God can take your mess today and say, I can turn this all around. I can forgive you, I can give you hope, I can give you joy. You see, this morning we need to know that God does not want us to end up as far away as we are willing to go. That's why in the story of the prodigal son it is so special because why? The father is waiting for the son. He is rejoicing because the son is coming home. The world has convinced us that God wants us to, to make a mess of our lives and marriage and, and families. And we hear these testimonies about people who drank and smoked and, and womanized and ran from God and, and they were saved and turned around and, and God worked in their life and it's a wonderful thing. And we think that should be all of our testimonies, but it doesn't have to be. This morning, you don't have to end up in the gutter. You are a sinner And sin has affected everything about us. But friends, you don't have to live it to its fullness to be forgiven. Today, you don't have to take your marriage to the bottom of the gutter for God to bring it up. Today, your children don't have to hit rock bottom in their own sin to be forgiven. Yes, you and I must acknowledge our sin, but we don't have to allow it to destroy everything about us before we ask for forgiveness. As parents, how many times have you ever told your kids, don't do that. If you do it again, it'll spank you. And I know none of you have ever done this, because I know you're perfect parents. They did it again, and you're like, I love you, and I I wish you wouldn't act like your mother, but if you do that again, I'm going to spank you. I really mean it this time. They do it again, and you're like, man, you act like your mother. But if you do it one more time, I made it this time. Now, we always talk about the people at Walmart. We've seen them do it. And after about the sixth time, eventually you have to spank your kid. And you look at them like, you get that from me. Because how many warnings does it take? Right? You just kept going and kept going and kept going. And by the time I gave you that spanking after six warnings, it was a whole lot worse than it would have been after the first one. Friends, don't run so far. Don't run through the warnings of God. Don't run through the gentle correction of God. Don't make God strip you of everything before you return. You see, David is continually going down this slippery slope. But look what it goes on and says this morning. I told you it wouldn't be popular, but it is what it is. Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. So once again, David says, you know what? You've had a rough time. You've been in battle. You've been loyal. Stay one more day. Just one more day, you stay and relax and recuperate. Again, David is being dishonest. He's buttering him up. And look at verse 13. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And at evening he went to lie on his bed with the servants of the Lord. But he did not go down to his house. David said, I've tried to get him to do this because I was kind but now I'm going to cause him to sin. And once he is in a drunken state, then he will for sure have no morals. Look up here this morning. I want you to know this is a firm passage of support, that alcohol is an excuse for your sin. You say, well, I just he was a nice guy until he started drinking. It's no excuse. He was a loyal husband until he started drinking. It's no excuse. He was an honest man until he started drinking. It was no excuse. Friends, you cannot explain sin away by another sin. You say, well, Jake, you just love who you love. You can't help it. No, you can't explain one sin by another one. Well, you know what? Our marriage got bad, so I, that's why I found a younger woman. No, I didn't find a younger woman. I just want you to know that as an example. Some of you just look at looking like, oh, really? Look at this face. I got lucky to find one that would love me, let alone another one. That was before I added a second porch. But uh, this morning I want you to see this because what happens is we make excuses, right? Well, they're just stressed at work, but Jake, you just don't know what it's like. Jake, you just don't know. what We make excuses for other people's sins because we want other people to make excuses for our sin. And what we see here is a culture that encourages sin. A culture that embraces sin. A culture that teaches us we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. It shouldn't bother you. No, friends. We should all acknowledge our sin, but our sin should make us sick. Our sin should break our hearts. Our sin should bring us to a place where God, I know this is what you don't want for my life. God, forgive me. Give me the grace and the mercy and God, the leadership to turn from this and turn to you. And God, when I stumble, God, don't make it the pattern of my life. But God, restore me. You say, well, Jake, this is getting very, very close to home. It is. Because all of us struggle. You see, David not only was trying to hide his sin. David was leading other people into sin. David was causing other people to stumble. David was doing everything he could, no matter the cost, to hide his sin. And this morning you say, Jake, what does that look like in our life? Glad that you asked. I can see it on your face that you really want to know. One example how many of you have ever had a boss that you didn't like? Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate the 10 mile. Employees not raising your hand, but uh, no, I'm just because you know who your real boss is. Take it up with him. But uh, how many times have you ever sat around a break room with a bunch of employees that were not Christians and talked about how bad your boss was? Oh, I know. I can just see the looks on your faces, or how unhappy the company that you work for makes you. Oh, I just love it, don't you? Someone gets started. Someone else gets started. And before you realize it, you're involved in it. And then as you get up, you think, you know what? I bet one of these employees is a narc. They're going to run right back to our boss and tell us. You know how I know that from experience? Because I've done it. Not the narcing, but I've definitely done the complaining. And you think, man, I hope this this doesn't... uh, I wonder why my boss doesn't like me. When really, what do we do after that happens? You know, I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry I shouldn't have sat around that break table and talked about how stupid management was or how bad company policy was or how that one person's a brown noser and never has to work. And, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that and I'm sorry. That's usually our response, is it, when we find out? It isn't, is it? Well, if the company hadn't made that decision, I wouldn't have said that. Or or if he hadn't made that decision, I wouldn't have been that way. And that's one example of how we deal with our sin. Friends, I can blame my sin on no one else. My sin is always mine to claim. I don't want to claim it. I'd much rather blame my sin on my wife. I'd much rather blame my sin of anger on Joe Biden. I want you to know that I probably sin in my thoughts toward that man and the vice president more than any two people in the whole world. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't, I don't want you to laugh or amen. I'm telling you, it goes from a, a dislike to a hatred. And God has to convict me, Jake. I think that's where you should be thinking and believing? Well, yeah, but if someone else hadn't brought it up, God, I was doing just fine. And people should know not to bring them up to me. Because if they bring them up to me, oh, I'll talk about it. God has to convince me, Jake, it doesn't matter what people bring up. How about if you've ever listened to a little bit of gossip? Just a little bit, not a lot. And you say, boy, I know after this conversation was over, you walk away thinking, boy, I... I wish I didn't know that about that person. I wish I I I didn't have that in my mind now because I will think of them and that always. What I always tell the Lord is, Lord, I just wish that person hadn't told me. What the Lord convicts me of is, Jake, you should have just told him to stop. It was your sin to keep listening. It was your sin to kind of even enjoy it, even though you won't admit it. You see, what we see here in David's life is the slippery slope that sin takes us down. It starts so simple with David as a nighttime walk on his balcony. Looking down in a moment and seeing a beautiful woman bathing. And it could have stopped right there. If he had just asked forgiveness, God, I know I shouldn't have thought that. God, I know I shouldn't have looked that way. Lord, forgive me. I'm going back in the house. I'm going, to, I'm going to spend time with my two wives, my multiple concubines. I'll do anything other than what my flesh wants. But he didn't. And then once his sin was found out, he began to what? Do everything he could to cover it up. This morning we're only going to get one point but I want you to remind you of the three things that we saw from this passage of Scripture this morning. The first is this. David went seeking Uriah. Friends, your sin will send you to places that you don't want to go. It will send you into situations that you don't want to be in. It will send you into difficult moments of your life. The second thing we've seen in this passage of Scripture was a man of great integrity. This morning you might be saying, Jake, I haven't done this sin that's causing my pain. You know, David had spent his life being hurt by Saul's sin. And this morning you might be saying, Jake, I'm struggling in my marriage. Jake, I'm struggling with forgiveness. Jake, I'm struggling with the way I was raised. Jake, I'm struggling with the place that I work. I'm struggling with that. Well, what you see here from this passage of Scripture is even though Uriah had done nothing wrong in this story, it still didn't mean that he could compromise. He was still a man of integrity. He was still a man who wanted to do what was right, even though he had been led astray. And the third and final thing I want you to remember this this morning is there are no excuses for sin. There are none. And I know that's hard to hear because All of us have sin. All of us have struggle. We literally are watching our nation be torn apart because it is being taught to us that even though God made you a male, or even though that God made you a female, if that's really not how you feel, and that's really not what you want, you might as well be something else and we're being taught that even though God has established that marriage is between one man and one woman he made you different and that's okay and even though the bible says to look and to lust is sin marriages grow cold they they get boring and they get stale and so if you really want to look at stuff on the internet it's okay as long as you don't hurt someone else. Or even if... Don't worry, I'm going to offend a whole bunch of people, so just, just stay right here. I'm going to keep going. Even though the government wastes your tax money, blows it on things that they should never even spend it on, you might as well cheat on your taxes just a little bit. It's yours anyway. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And what I want you to hear this morning... It comes from Satan. Satan started in the garden. You really don't want to eat from that tree? Don't you want to be like him? And friends, Satan doesn't want you to to today just stand up and say, I don't believe in God. What he wants today is for you to start to compromise today and compromise a little more tomorrow and compromise a little more the next day And one of these days you will wake up and you'll say, I'm so far from where God wanted me to be. Or something will happen and it'll be a mess and it'll be broken and it'll be painful and you say, how did I get here? And how you got there was on a day like today when the Spirit of God was trying to speak to you that God wants to forgive you. God wants to restore your joy. God wants to keep you from the pain that is coming, but you've got to come His way. You say, Jake, what way is that? Through the person and work of Jesus Christ. The fact that He died for you, that He was buried, and that He rose again. You say, Jake, I'm already saved. I've already been saved. I I know I'm born again. I know I'm a part of the family of God. Friends, sin is something you will struggle with until the day that God takes you home. And so you need to continually, every day, Lord, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Lord, help me. Father, give me what I need. And friends, I want to give you this one bit of positive because you're looking at me like, I wish I just took my vacation this Sunday. He is faithful and just. Don't miss that. To forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, no matter where you've been or what you've done, it does not have to define you. And maybe you're like me. I'm guessing you are. You can explain your sin away no matter what. I can explain any sin that I commit away. I'm good at it. My favorite excuse is, what do you expect? I live with seven women. It's a pretty good excuse. If you've ever lived with seven women and if you haven't, you're missing a blessing. And I mean that. You say, "Jake, if if you knew what <laughs> if you knew the person that I live with, you'd understand why I'm so miserable too." Or you might be saying, "Jake, if you know what I have been through, you know why I struggle with unbelief." Or, "Jake, if you knew how bad that person hurt me, you know why I can't forgive." Those are all excuses. And this morning God says, "You don't have to make any of them." You can come to Him with every broken situation, every hurt, every pain, every sin, and find a God who loves you and can forgive you and can carry you and can restore you if you will let Him. And so this morning, my plea with you, as God has been dealing with me, is let Him. Let God today... Do in your life something amazing through the forgiveness and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Pray with me as you stand. Father, today you know that I'm a sinful man. And Lord, you know today that I brought notes for the whole chapter. And my intent was to preach through the whole chapter and to skip over all of this and just to kind of just give it an overview. But God, I just... I just pray this morning, Lord, that that your people have not heard my words but yours. And God, in this moment, God, in this day, we would choose to be honest, that we would choose to be open, that we would choose to find your grace and mercy and forgiveness that you offer. God, today I pray that you would help us to realize that our sin doesn't define us. And God, that the pain and the hurt and the shame that we're carrying God, you will take care of if we'll just let you. Father, today I pray for those that are hardening their hearts to you. God, I pray for those that in this moment are making excuses, that are, that are, that are blaming me, that are whatever it is, God, today that, that, that stop. That you would do in us a miraculous work and that we would see its results. God, I pray especially today, Lord, for those that are here that don't know you. God, that are living in their sin. God, I believe that you can save them. God, I pray that whether they are 8 or 18 or 38 or 88, that God, your Holy Spirit would convict them right now. Show them the mercy and grace and forgiveness that you have for them. Lord, that they would come. And God, I pray today, Lord, that if I've said anything or done anything to to misrepresent you, or God, to hurt someone else, God, that you would forgive me, that they would see that it wasn't that. But Lord, that I just fully do believe that you can forgive and restore any situation. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.